Hi, and welcome back to Beam Radio. I am Maggie Tate. I am usually behind the scenes as the podcast editor, but this week, Bruce and I are at ElixirConf. This is our third and final bonus episode with interviews with conference attendees and speakers. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Beam Radio. Hello, this is Bruce for Beam Radio, and with me, I have Greg Vaughn. How's your ElixirConf so far, Greg? It's been a great conference. I'm um, seeing lots of excitement, seeing lots of old faces and new faces. Um, I, I, I love coming to the conference every year. I haven't missed one yet, and I, I hope to continue that. You come to a lot of the local conferences, too. I kind of like that about you, and it seems like you're here for the people. Are there some special personal connections that you've made that mean a lot to you? Uh, there is. Uh, I'm getting to catch up with old friends and not, you know, these aren't just colleagues, people I've seen for years and years. It's like a real friendship you feel, ask about, you know, how family is and get to meet new people. Um, and even even coworkers. I, I, I've worked in the past with Parker Selbert the author of Oban, and got to meet him and his wife, Shannon, uh, for the first time on this trip. And it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, it's a real person. It's not just a, a person behind a Zoom or, or, or on Slack and things. So those, those personal connections mean a lot to me in a, a community like this. Wonderful. We had Parker on Beam Radio a little bit earlier, and that's that was a memorable conversation for me. Is there anything in particular you'd like to tell the rest of our Beam Radio audience? Anything you'd like to plug? I have no particular, you know, open source projects or 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 job openings to plug, but the community. I I love the Elixir community. Um, I'm finding, I we're at kind of at a inflection point. I think we're getting a lot more noticed and excitement. Some people feel it's too slow. Some people feel it's too fast of growth. But I think we're really balancing a sustainable level of growth bringing new people into the community. It's a very welcoming place. And I hope to be a part of that and hope to you know, help welcome people and help, uh, help grow everything. Greg, that's been one of the common themes in our interviews so far that not just the community, but the frameworks that we've built on seem to be, I don't know, accelerating because we've taken the time to get the abstractions right underneath. But you can look at the community in the same way that this has kind of grown. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thanks a lot, Bruce. With me, I have Jenny at ElixirConf. How is your Elixir conference so far? Oh my gosh, it has been so fantastic. So don't tell anyone, but I'm actually a tester, not a developer. So I have snuck into the Elixir conference to help talk about testing and how I do it in an Elixir ecosystem and a lot of the, the things that you can actually apply to this year unit test is what I'm talking about. So. It has been fantastic. I really enjoyed sitting down with people that are outside my normal circle. So not testers, not those sorts of people, but developers and saying, let's have a deep discussion about testing and let's talk about what it means for you, what it means for me and how we can work together as partners. Your secret is out with me because I have talked with people who know that you are a developer who also happens to be a tester. And I just talked to two people whose favorite breakthrough moment was your talk. Oh, that is so sweet. I'm really happy that I was able to. So I talked about uh, black box test techniques and I don't believe in black box testing anymore. It's all gray box, y'all. How we write our code should affect how we test our code. But it was really fun to sit down and say, here are five foundational techniques that I believe you as developers can take and move into your unit tests. So your testers, the people that do testing activities full time, can get the more interesting things, the more 
crunchy, fun brain things. That's so excellent. And the thing that I heard that you say that resonated the most to me was y'all because I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee, right? So that y'all kind of snuck right in there with surprising in the best of ways. And I have a question for you. What are some of your breakthrough moments at ElixirConf? Have you had any particular breakthroughs or connections that you made? I am so excited to talk about this. Um, so when I was looking at the ElixirConf schedule this year, I said, oh, that talk and that talk and that talk. And I have a meeting over that talk, but I'm going to watch it on virtual later. My favorite so far has been the Code Smells talk. I really love the idea of code smells and of the, the, the thought that there are these anti-patterns that we can prevent, that we can look at to make things better. And she talked a lot about how we would refactor to get rid of some specific code smells. And as she's talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to write a talk about testing refactors for code smells. <laughs> Was wonderful i also really like the engineering managers talk i i've loved every talk i've seen so let's see that was elaine's talk and sunday's talk uh two of my favorite speakers and, and elaine i have never seen in person and missed her talk i i gosh it's, it's killing me but um but that's a, one of the rising stars in the Elixir community. And Sunday has been with us for such a long time as an Elixir wizard and um, with as MC. Gosh, she did a great job with that talk, didn't she? It was incredible. I can see why she's, she's so popular. I love both of those talks. Okay, Jenny, is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, I've got a keynote coming up in a couple of weeks in Canada. So if you're a tester in Canada, you should come to my keynote. <laughs> Other than that, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I've got going on. I did want to say thank you to the Elixir community, though. I feel like I have been absolutely embraced by this community, and it is the kindest, most wonderful developer conference that I've been to. I don't feel like an outsider. I feel like one of the gang, and I, I think everyone should come to ElixirConf. <laughs> Okay, so Canada's a big place. Where is the keynote going to be? Which conference in Canada? It is targeting quality in Cambridge, which is outside of Toronto. Wonderful. So if you're in Toronto, you can see Jenny's talk coming up soon. And I definitely encourage you to check that out. Thank you so much. And thanks for, for talking to me about things. You're amazing. You're quite welcome. With me, I have Desmond. How's your Elixir conference so far? Hey, Bruce. The conference has been good. I just got in yesterday afternoon. I haven't seen a lot of talks, but I've seen a lot of people, which is really why I came here to connect with uh, old friends, people in the community. Are there some special connections you, that you've made so far that have meant a lot to you? Special connections. Yeah, I met a guy last night who um, is working in AI, and I'm like kind of on the fence about AI, but we ended up in a really great conversation about Where's this going? What does it mean? What's the nature of humanity? How are humans going to respond to this? Uh, how does it impact our culture? And that sort of thing I'm interested in. And I guess what made it special and the thing I appreciate about this community is that people here tend to be really thoughtful. And I don't just have to talk about how do I spin up a gen server? I can engage with people on a deeper level about you know, spiritual, intellectual, or societal topics. And I feel like I can really connect with them in that way. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that a lot. And is there anything that you'd like the listeners of Beam Radio to know? Well, 
I have a couple of products that I will pitch. I have a project called Merger, which is a tool for tech managers to stay in touch with their teams via real-time alerting on what's going on. When I was a manager, I found it hard to keep up on what was going on um, with them. So this is to help with that. I also recently started a YouTube channel for projects that I work on around the house, around the shop. I work on my truck, I build furniture, um, just other kind of shop stuff. So that launched recently. Be sure to check that out. It's called Desmond's Garage. I've got a great logo and some fun stickers. And what's the coolest video that is on your YouTube channel so far? Coolest video. Well, my thing is that um, I'm not very good at what I do. So I built these uh, brackets for these new brake lights. I got these cool old brake lights for my cool old truck. And um, I kept screwing it up. And that's sort of what the what the tenor of the channel is, is like, I'm enthusiastic. I don't always know what I'm doing. But you figure it out along the way, you make mistakes. And I hope that people watching the channel can find that confidence. You know, a lot of people don't get started on things because they're like, I'm going to screw it up or I don't, I'm not going to be good at it. And I want to make it okay for them to get started and realize that even if they do get in a jam, you can get yourself out of it. And that's fine. Wonderful. So everybody check out Dustman screws things up on YouTube. <laughs> and thank you so much for one of the pillars of the community and the work that you've done, not just in these last couple of projects, but for Ampex, they've been tremendously valuable to me. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I have Jose Valim with me. Uh, how are you, Jose? I'm doing pretty great. Thank you. How was your Elixir comp so far? Yeah, so we are uh, halfway and um, the first day we had a lot of machine learning uh, talks, which was uh, kind of where I stayed on, like trying to see everything that was happening and keep up with the developments. And it was very exciting to see like the, um, the work that we have been doing for the last, I think, two years, uh, hard to keep track of time. Uh, that you know like was nice to see people who have been working on the tools presenting the work that have been done but it was also very interesting to see people both from the community now doing machine learning stuff because those tools are now available and also people who are not elixir developers but they joined the community because of all the things that you can do with their link virtual machine distribution concurrency and machine learning so it has been um really nice like uh in a way it's like it's nothing new in the sense that we've passed for that with phoenix where it was attracting a lot of people you know so it's like it's it's not necessarily a new feeling but uh it's really nice to be going for that all over again and i'm enjoying it one of the things that's been really fun to watch is that the abstractions that were based on seem to be right and so things are picking up speed and it seems like we're starting to attract a different kind of customer because of the decisions that you made all the way back in 2010 and then kind of with with phoenix and then early on in the machine learning stack we had a conversation with sean early on and he said many of the same things are happening that things feel right do you get the same sense yeah, there is a lot of that and not only, um, and I think that's what like attracts a lot of people. And I think it's more to the uh, Erlang virtual machine credit than uh, Elixir credit, because like a lot of people, they're really excited about, oh, we actually have to do things concurrently. We have to do things distributed, which is an area that Python is starting to explore, but the Erlang virtual machine has 
literally been doing that for decades and it has like robust tooling and it works out of the box and everything that the audience of the podcast is probably going to be pretty familiar with. Uh, but then I keep, you know, again, like I keep saying, like it's a, it's not a new feeling, but it's nice to feel it again in the sense that there were things that were solved by the only virtual machine, like for example, the way it handled binary. So one of the big things that we have in machine learning is that they want to have like, uh, because when, when you're going to work with like uh, ML or data, you have to transform the data. You have to do things with several steps. And if you're working with large data, every time you transform, every time you copy things, it's very expensive. So you want like, if I have like a six gigabytes data set, you want to avoid like doing something and now having 12 gigabytes and then 18 gigabytes every transformation you do. And then when we're working on those problems, it happens like there's already a solution on the beam for that. Like the whole way, the whole way binaries were designed like 20 years ago, roughly. Uh, already address those concerns and it's there. So for us to solve this problem, it's just, you know, it, it's no work at all. It's just, everything is there. Um, so keeping, um, I guess the, the feeling that I'm feeling again is like keeping uh, getting positively surprised by their virtual machine uh, and going for those things again. It's very nice. Speaking of positive surprise and maybe even nervous surprise, <laughs> You have a keynote coming out, and um, you know I, I was thinking back to seven languages in seven weeks, and um, you know I guess we met slightly after that book was written, and I'm thinking about the languages in that we have some of the syntax in Ruby, and then we have some of the inspiration of Erlang and Prolog, and then we had uh, uh, Erlang itself, and then we had some of the macros ideas that were in Lisp. And now we're kind of moving towards Haskell and, and the type systems. Uh, not exactly the same type system, but we're starting to nudge the rudder for Elixir in that direction. And that's what your keynote is going to be about. And um, what is that going to look like? Yeah, so my keynote is uh, going, it's titled, I changed the title midway, changed also when I was going to speak, but it's uh, now it's titled The Foundations uh, of the Elixir Type System. And... Um, and one of the things is that Elixir being, I'm going to say that Elixir, when it comes like to type systems and programming languages is quite unique in the sense that it is a dynamic functional programming language and they are, you know, probably the, the other bigger, big dynamic functional programming language that we can think about is Erlang. So the trade-offs and the decisions and the design space that we have to tackle it's like it's a relatively like we have a it's like we have a bunch of like cousins like we can look at haskell for ideas we can because it comes with the functional nature but you know it's not dynamic but then we can look at like javascript and typescript which started dynamic when typed and um but you know it, it's a OO language, mutability is everywhere. So they have to do other, so other design decisions and other trade-offs. So it's very interesting because we, ha we have like those, those cousins we, we use as reference and to guide our decisions, but ultimately like the trade-offs that we can make, they are very different and, and very unique. So a lot of the work that we have done so far, and there's a disclaimer, I still don't know if Elixir is going to be typed. We are 
I say that we are being very delicate and in intentional in our like design process and thought process so far. Uh, so if if we have or not, um, you know, we, we, we did the whole process and we'll know why it works and why it doesn't work. We're not just like uh, trying to guess our way for this. So, um, but yeah, we have a whole set of design decisions and, uh, and the talk is exploring all the design decisions that we did so far, why we did them and why I think we have a very unique type system designed so far. And that can be like very exciting because we may have found something that like perfectly captures like the nuance and the detail of our Elixir code. And, um, but it can also be like a little bit scary because it's going to be something new by definition, by consequence of the work that we are doing. So my goal is like, I want to talk about those design decisions, see how they are going to resonate with everybody here at the event and everybody who is going to watch the talk later. And that's going to be hopefully like the, the common ground that we can now use for all future discussions uh, because hopefully we'll get everybody on the same page and understand why we are doing exactly this and that and that. Well, my friend, it is so good to see you on the other side of an ocean, on the other side of a pandemic and the same place again. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm here with Ryan and I want to ask you, how was your Elixir conference so far? So far, Elixir conference has been great. Have you had any breakthrough moments? I don't think I've had a breakthrough individual moment, but I've really enjoyed getting to know members of my own team because we're a full-time remote company and also getting to know uh, people in the Elixir community whose names I know, but whose faces I don't and getting to learn more about them has been awesome. So Ryan is working at Westerret and I've heard you've had, you have some great quality of life uh, benefits. So can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes, well, our, our biggest hook is that we have a mandatory three-week sabbatical. Uh, every employee has to take it. You're completely unplugged. Uh, they change all your passwords. You can't get into our systems. And um, it's fabulous. It's fabulous for the sabbaticant because you can unplug, spend time doing things that you like. It's also great for the company because everyone is forced to learn what you do. And so it prevents people from getting siloed into like, this is the thing that only Ryan knows how to do. And Ryan gets pigeonholed into doing just this thing. Um, so it's great. Failover for people. I like it. And what did you do with your sabbatical? The first sabbatical I went on, I like way overbooked myself. So um, I built a couch. I built a surfboard. And I also got like an offshore sailing certificate and went sailing. And by the end of my sabbatical, I felt like I needed another three weeks just to decompress from my sabbatical. So this past sabbatical, I did nothing. Um, we went up and visited my parents and we had a great time doing nothing. Rosvon, welcome to Elixir Conference. How has yours been so far? It's It's been great, thanks. Uh, it was fun to meet people that I, I know on GitHub and, and you know, I would finally get to, to meet in person. Uh, and I think Elixir is a, is a fun community. Actually, it's my first programming uh, conference. And it's great to see that there is no uh, sense of zero-sum game here, right? Where, where uh, if uh, there's, there's one particular company that's doing better than, than other companies, it still propels the, the ecosystem forward because everybody wins. So I think that fosters a, quite, a, quite an interesting um, community around it. 
You had a pretty interesting talk. Can you tell us what your talk was about? Yes, I, I, I won't go that far as to call it very interesting, but um, I uh, my talk was called uh, Managing a Massive Amount of Elixir uh, Nodes. And this was this is not something I do at work. It it, it was a way to to stress myself out by submitting a proposal, and uh, you know getting accepted and being happy, and then and then stressing out again, and then uh, working on it, feeling good again. Essentially a roller coaster ride. Um, but I enjoyed it. I I will have to see the video to to actually. <laughs> I have a feeling it wasn't as as good, but we'll see. Uh, uh, I had a lot of fun, and actually in particular. Uh, I did something that I would probably not do at a day job, you know, connect uh, 900 notes together and 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 try to to break things. Um, so I I really enjoyed it. 900 nodes and roller coasters. That sounds like an Epcot experience if I've ever heard one. Uh, so what's the new roller coaster called? Anybody know? Maggie says Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, one next question: Did you have any breakthrough moments or interesting moments at this year's Elixir Conf? Again, going back to the roller coaster ride, I um, I wasn't sure if uh, my talk would be interesting, to be honest, uh, because um, there's there's such big names here, right? There's there's folks that work at WhatsApp, and and uh, you know there, there's there's uh, you know Fly.io uh, folks like Chris McCord and. Uh, I think having the uh, the speaker's uh, reception and, and kind of chatting and, and telling about my my story and the talk and getting feedback helped tremendously. So I think sometimes we need to be reminded that what we do is about the people. And if we forget about the people, then it's it's not really as interesting. That's what makes LuxurCop so special. Is there anything that you'd like to tell the Beam Radio audience? Anything that you'd like to plug? I think uh, meeting people at conferences is fun. Um, you should probably persuade your company to to send you there. And uh, yeah. And many of you have education and training budgets that you can use in this way. So I would encourage you to do so. I have one more person to talk to, and his name is Sam. So Sam, how's your Elixir comp so far? Bruce, it's been so good. I can barely stand it. Um... This was my first conference getting to speak, and I got to speak about some work that we did on multi-tenancy and being able to, you know, really keep customer data secure. And it, it's been a lot of fun. The Everyone at the conference is super nice, super approachable. You know, if you're wanting to speak at a conference, this is, I think, the best one to do it to start. Excellent advice there. And it's, I can't believe that we haven't met each other. We've been, and we've shared Chattanooga for such a long time. Um, how do we avoid each other? I think it's just timing, honestly. Like, um, you know, I worked at, at Very for a while, which they, they had an office in Chattanooga. Then we went remote. Uh, I've also been going back to school recently um, for a master's in computer science and machine learning through Georgia Tech's online program. So, I mean, there's just so much like overlap. And I know at very, uh, they had got some training through Groxio. And I remember uh, Jeff McGee, the director of engineering, kind of announcing like, hey, like we're going to work with Bruce. I was like, great. I just read designing Elixir systems at OTP. Like the, the, the patterns here hold across languages, like definitely send people to the training. So there, there's been some near misses. Um, but yeah, it, it, timing is everything. Well, it's delightful to meet you this time. Are there any breakthrough moments for you at ElixirConf so far? 
Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me is just all of the talks on machine learning. Like there was an entire track on Monday that bled over into today. It was all machine learning. And it, it's it's so interesting because in doing machine learning in my, my schoolwork, it's all in Python because it's all very academic. And it's nice to be able to, you know, learn it and it, it makes it very approachable. But the power that we get because of NX and because of the Beam, it just makes it so much more approachable. And especially now with Bumblebee being able to bring in these pre-built models, you can get something, you know, off the ground so quickly. Yeah, that's what's cool to me also that we see all these systems that have that we've been taking for granted for so long that make it a great mission critical set of frameworks for running a business. We have the fault tolerance of OTP. We have all those frameworks and and um and libraries for dealing with big amounts of data and reporting. And now we can take that data and we can bring machine learning to the data rather than having to ship it off to some other framework. And then you have these things that make it so consumable. You have things like um, Livebook that where we can we can essentially um, see all this stuff in in um, in a research notebook with with data and code and prose. And then we have ways that that we can like layer these machine learnings models um, with elixir pipes and on and on and on I, that has me excited too uh so sam one final question is there anything that you want to pitch or tell the rest of our audience yeah i think uh for me i was really on the on the fence about giving a conference talk like i i, I had been at elixir conf before i you know i i definitely have anxiety with public speaking it, all I can say is if you're on the fence about it, if you're thinking about doing it, just do it. Like this community is so supportive of everyone. Like I, I almost, I, I don't want to say I felt loved to give him my talk, but I felt like everyone cared about me and wanted me to do a good job. Um, and just, I've had so many wonderful interactions with people just because I spoke uh, coming up with or coming up to me as well. So if you're on the fence about it, I highly recommend you do it. Just try to do it whenever you can. Next conference, I highly suggest it. I love that, Sam. The idea, we don't have to be afraid to say it, to be known and loved is a big thing. And that's a lot of the reasons that, that we are in this conference. Thank each one of you for talking to us uh, about Elixir Conference. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. The pleasure's been all mine, Bruce. Thank you so much. And I have with me, Jason. Jason comes all the way from Seoul, Korea. Is that correct? Yes, I come from Seoul, Korea. So Seoul, Korea, where Jason runs the Elixir group there. That's pretty exciting. And I'd like to ask you three questions. The first is, how was your Elixir comp experience so far? Uh, it was so nice because uh, there are so many uh, interesting sessions and so many good peoples and i originally uh, applied the talk but not selected in this conference but it was really happy to me that i have uh, opportunity to the lightning talk so i did some speech so it was really good experience for me uh -huh. my second question for you is were there any breakthroughs that you had at ElixirConf this year um actually <laughs> it's not about elixir 
but it's about Elixir community. Uh, I, here's uh, so many good people. For example, Yamazaki really helps me a lot. So he introduces uh, you and other good persons, and you also uh, did me good, <laughs> good things. So uh, uh, this is the uh, power of community. Uh, I realized that here, so it was really happy uh, time for me. <laughs> that is so very well said. We sometimes forget in these technical conferences that it's not about the technology, it's about the people. We can see all the talks on YouTube, but it's not the same as making the connections and um, learning. And, and, and for me, it's getting people, meeting people that have actually read my books. So sometimes it's like writing into a black hole. And um, when, when I get to meet people that read them, it's very powerful for me as well. So thank you for saying, saying what you said and the way that you said it. Now, one final question. Is there anything else that you want the world to know? There are many people who love who love Elixir in Korea also, and it, uh, Elixir community in Korea is growing up every every year, every year. So if you come to Korea, please let me know. Maybe we can have a uh, fun talk. <laughs> yeah. Awesome and well said once again. So all of you speakers, all of you. Elixir enthusiasts that are that happen to be traveling through the Korean area. I know that there are a lot of them. Go ahead and look up the uh, the Elixir group there, especially Jason. They will take good care of you. Introduce yourself. Hey, Bruce. Uh, my name is Herman. How's your Elixir comp so far? Oh, it's been great. Thank you. I've um I've really been enjoying the hallway track. Honestly, uh, not that I don't want to watch the talks. I've been watching a ton of them. But uh, it's just the people, you know, getting to meet people, getting to see people that you've known online for a long time and putting real faces to those people. It's just been wonderful. That's been a cool experience for me as well. We started asking this question early in the week, and the answer was always something technical. <laughs> and the later it goes, the more people talk about other people. I have another question for you. Have you had any breakthrough moments so far? Uh, I think the the biggest breakthrough is just there's been a lot of uh, machine learnings, AI talks, and just the ease of use, how accessible it is, and how powerful Elixir is in in using that. So I love that. Yeah, it really feels like things are picking up steam, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And one last question for you: Is there anything that you want our Beam Radio audience to know? Anything you want to plug, for example? Uh, sure, sure. I um I've been trying to create really short screencasts. They're like between one and five minutes long. I post them on Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere I can. But if you want a central location for them, it's called elixirstreams.com. There's just free screencasts, and I just hope people like them. Excellent. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks so much, Bruce. Appreciate it. With me, I have Brian Cartarella. Hello, Brian. Hey, Bruce. How are you? I'm great. And can you tell us a little bit about LiveView Native? Sure. So LiveView Native uh, expands the utility of Elixir and Phoenix beyond just the web. It now allows uh, Elixir developers to build out actual native applications. Um, currently, we are uh, nearing a production quality level client for SwiftUI, and we're readily working on a Jetpack Compose client for Android. So this allows me to get access to the same paradigms, the event sourcing, and the same types of, of 
frameworks and libraries that we have with with gen servers and live views but in a mobile setting yeah so the live view program model is being leveraged um so we still have a server-side rendering function um, but we can instead of targeting a browser as your rendering client we can target iPhone, iPad, uh, Apple Watch, Apple TV, uh, Vision Pro, and Mac OS desktop. Uh, likewise, on the Jetpack side, we'll be able to target all the devices that Jetpack Compose can compile to. In the future, we hope to uh, build a WinUI 3 client, so building out uh, clients for LiveView native clients for Windows desktop uh, Surface and possibly also Xbox. Excellent. And what's the best way for people to find you? Um, Docker.com. Would you talk about your sailing? Oh, yeah. How much are you comfortable sharing? <laughs> oh, everything. All right. So, I mean, this, so would you this is going to turn into a 45-minute. <laughs> <laughs> we just went halfway around the United States under power, but you're a sailor. How has that experience been? Um, so, uh, I race sailboats, and what I've been doing in the past year is kind of marrying my, my two uh, primary activities, which is sailing and elixir. We have within Dockyard's R&D department, um, I've carved out a project that we call racing.org. And in that we are using NERVs to build out high resolution data loggers to pull network data off of racing sailboats every single second, send it up over the cloud. We're using NX to build out a machine learning post-race analysis tool so that we can take the presumed boat's performance data and play it back against an actual race to show you what you should have done. Um, we're building a live view uh, client for the web, and we hope to be using live view native to build out uh, native clients for TV OS and for uh, various deployment platforms. Uh, this is going to enable recreational racers to get better at a cheaper cost so that they don't have to go out and hire uh, expensive coaches. We also are building out similar data loggers for uh, dinghy racing. This will allow high school and college teams to actually record all of their practices and race data and then play it back and so show situational aspects of the race. Uh, historically, sailboat racing ends up being anecdotal after you get off the water and people always remember things incorrectly. Uh, our data loggers are going to hopefully help to change that. So that's way cool. Let's start at the very base of this architecture. What kinds of sensors do you have on board? Most uh, racing sailboats are going to have at least the following sensors. They're going to have a, a masthead unit, which is a wind sensor that gives you apparent wind direction and velocity. And uh, we also require GPS on the boat. The, uh, the GPS sensors are pretty varied that are out there um, between L3 and L5 GPS, but this is going to give us a accuracy within three meters or so typically. So on my, on my boat, though, I've loaded it up with a lot more tech. So I have motion sensors. I get pitch and roll. Um, I have a computer on board that actually is going to do on-the-fly uh, computational, taking apparent wind data and converting it over to what we call true wind data. All this is actually going to be playing into hopefully a longer-term uh, goal of Dockyard, where we hope to sell uh, boat instruments that are going to actually be good. Um, the... Unfortunately, Bruce, I'm not sure if you feel this way, but unfortunately, the, the, the marine industry's technology is terrible and way too expensive. Uh, for example, um, my BNG computer on board uh, is $5,000, and it is just doing basic real-time recal recalculations. Uh, the, the industry is, is uh, kind of dominated by just two or three companies that bought every other 
um, uh, boat technology company and just shut them down in terms of innovation. Uh, this industry is really ready for someone to come along and do something correctly at prices that don't really hurt the sport anymore. Um, th this has been kind of a passion of mine that you know, sailing as a, a sport is kind of dying off, especially in the United States. And there's many factors into that. The cost to participate is one of those factors. Anyone that you know, goes out and wants to race, it, it becomes an arms race on who can put enough money into their boat. And those that have the means to do so end up doing better. So if we can help normalize that out, that's a dent that I want to try to make. That's excellent. We have to continue this conversation on a beam radio at some point. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. Hi, I'm Caitlin Burns. I'm a software engineer at Launch Scout, and I was one of the keynote speakers here at ElixirConf, and it's been a really great time. Some of my favorite things have been to meet my coworkers in person. I'm fully remote, so it's been great to meet everyone. And yeah, I think, honestly, as amazing as the talks have been, just talking to other people about their journeys and getting to know other software engineers and make those connections have definitely been my favorite part. Hi, I'm Andrew Moore. I'm uh, getting ready to give a talk about accessibility. It's a library I wrote for accessibility testing your Phoenix applications. Pretty excited to be here. It's been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm Chris Nelson. Uh, I'm a principal engineer and co-founder of Launch Scout. Um, and uh, I got to give a training session and a talk on a couple of projects that I've worked on live elements and live state that are designed to help you when you need to get the beyond the bounds of what live view gives you out of the box. Uh, either you need to bring in some JavaScript or you need to do a project where you have an app that doesn't live on a page served by Phoenix at all. Um, I would say the highlight of the conference, though, was definitely getting to meet my coworker Caitlin, for the first time in human form. That was pretty awesome. Uh, and then there was another project um, that I learned about, Orb, which is um, gradually compiling Elixir into Wasm in a really interesting way that's um, less ambitious but easier to, to make progress on than some of the efforts I've seen and uh, getting to meet the guy who's from... Um, Tasmania was really, really cool. Um, so just a great conference getting a chance to meet other humans. As always, thanks for tuning in to Beam Radio.